0: ESPN College Football Podcast, hosted by Paul Feinbaum and Matt Barry. It is our Sunday tradition, unlike any other. It is the ESPN College Football Podcast. It is your Sunday morning dynamic duo. Paul Feinbaum, Matt Barry, alongside week 11 is in the books. And sometimes, some Sundays can be a little bit better than others. We've been doing this now for close to three months. Paul, I look... We didn't have too many earth-shattering playoff upsets. I know Oklahoma went down, but we've seen a one-loss Big 12 team get in the playoffs. I'm not going to go playoff right now. What I am going to go are two proud programs who wake up on Sunday morning trying to figure out what in the hell transpired on Saturday. And so I'm going to start at the Swamp. With Florida, Dan Mullen, and 70 to 52 against Samford in a game that, yeah, it's a win, but it's got just about everybody in the college football planet shaking their head.
1: It, it does, Matt. And, and I think if it ended and Dan Mullen said, listen, you know, our job is to come out and try to win a game, but we're not pleased with what we did. And, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to go back to the drawing board tomorrow and, and try to correct these then I, I think I would have said okay there's nothing else to say but instead he he, he pulled a uh, he tried to pull uh, the wool over everyone's eyes and, and acted like there was something to celebrate when it was truly a disgraceful afternoon in, in the in the annals of Florida football and I think he lost uh, I think he lost big in just per, just perusing some of the the commentary across the country last night and today uh, I was on a plane coming back uh, at the time and everybody in the plane was was laughing at Florida and laughing at Mullen. And yeah, I don't know where where he is right now. I, I mean, we've all said he's safe, but today it doesn't feel like he's as safe as he was. And, you know, he's got two tricky opponents in Missouri and Florida State. And, 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 and I dare say if he loses one of those, Matt, uh, we will be sitting here afterwards wondering whether he'll be back next year.
0: All right, let's do some hypothetical, and, and I know those listening th- this Sunday after a busy college football Saturday, we'll, we'll get into some of the games and, and the outcomes and, and, and what we saw, but I find these stories so fascinating because it's been kind of the shape of the season, right? We had this happen with Clay Helton week two. We saw a couple of firings along the way, and it just seems the coaching climate and weather is just so bizarre anymore because the early signing period – in December where a lot of these programs, when we saw it with Joey McGuire getting hired at Texas tech and these coaches and these programs wanted to have a coach in place for the early signing period. And that's why I think the coaching market is more fascinating than it's ever been. That takes me back to Mullen because Paul, I don't know. And I would like to think that athletic directors don't listen to social media and the crowd and the fan base. I would like to believe that. But there was a large contingent of there was a large contingent of people that were muttering yesterday that if Dan Mullen in Florida don't win that game, Dan Mullen doesn't make it out of the swamp employed.
1: Yeah, uh, there were there were a lot of Brett uh fired coming off the field takes. Uh, it, it, I can tell you this: uh, I've known Scott Strickland, the athletic director, director there, a long time. Uh, he might—he may not be the most obsessive AD on Twitter, because some some literally do not miss anything. Uh, I know that for a fact. I don't think he misses much either, uh, and he's he's paying a lot of attention to what fans are saying now because that's his job. He's trying to come to some formation. I heard everything under the sun. I'll start with with Tim Tebow. I always think that's one. That's the, the you know they're very they're extremes of the Florida party. He was telling me Saturday morning what a difficult decision it was for Dan Mullen to fire two personal friends. Good, I buy that, but not for, for more than ten seconds. Matt, he fired Todd Grantham, expecting his replacement to pitch a shutout against Sanford. Yeah. Instead uh it was clueless uh and we're talking you know sanford you know jack state beat florida state early in the season sanford is not a good football team sanford maybe bobby valden's alma mater and somebody joked uh that spurrier was probably snickering during the game uh, oh oh bobby never put half a hundred on me um <laughs> but they did and, you know, there's no getting around it. Uh, and, and I, and I, I don't – I mean, I, I just don't know the answer right now, so I'm not going to give one because okay. these next two weeks will tell the story. But I don't care whether Dan Mullen wins both games by 100 points. He's on the hottest seat in America coming into next season, if he's alive, to, to do that.
0: You mentioned the switch to defensive coordinator. Uh, a couple of notes with Florida. 42 points was the most they had ever given up in the first half. Ever in Florida football history against any opponent. This wasn't Alabama. This wasn't LSU 2019. This was
1: Sanford. Yeah, and, and, and so. And what does that tell you? That tells you the players don't care. They're not disciplined. I was talking to a player uh, with uh, that I was with uh, Saturday in in Knoxville, and I asked him, and he said, he was a, he was a, he was a great defensive player. He said, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't care. Well, why am I going out there? They just fired my, my, defensive, my, my defensive coordinator. He said, why should I give an effort for this guy? And, and I think that's what we saw. And fortunately, uh, Florida was able to score a few more touchdowns than Sanford. That's really where we are. And and I, I mean, the Ed Ogeron thing seemed like a precipitous fall from grace. He won the national yes. championship. But let's, 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 cut. let's bring the curtain up. None of us thought Ed Ogeron was a good football coach to begin with. We th- we thought Dan Mullen was an elite football coach.
0: Yeah, Dan Mullen was the guy that was going to change the course of Florida football back to the glory days of Spurrier. He did it at Mississippi State, of all places, with Dak Prescott. Uh, he had a Nick Fitzgerald was another guy that he developed. And Florida now is one worth watching, because I'm going to go on a triangle here with the coaching conversation to lead off the Sunday morning edition of the ESPN College Football Podcast, because that's... That's the Florida Mullen side of it. That it's bad. But he's in year four. So people are expecting things out of him at this point. Let's move down to Austin and Kansas and Texas. And a historic win for the Kansas Jayhawks, snapping a road losing streak for the first tries. 31 points, the biggest. Point spread upset in Big 12 history and overtime win 57-56. I love this the period at the end of the sentence 56 straight road losing streak in the Big 12. while Kansas beat that by scoring 57. And you have Steve Sarkeesian, who people thought because he touched touched the waters of Nick Saban's rehab school in Alabama. That he was the guy to take over Tom Herman.
1: Yeah, you know, let me let me offer a couple of things here. First of all, uh, before I talk about Texas, I want to I want I want to say to the world I have been immunized, and as a result of that, I'm I'm not upset. <laughs> I I have been inoculated to Texas being bad, <laughs> and it, it's been going on now since uh, probably what 2012 or 13. Yeah, nothing, when did the longhorn network launch uh i think uh, i think 11. So there's it, there's
0: there's the there's the, the people think there's a longhorn network jinx
1: but uh. maybe may, may earlier but somewhere in that range and you're right they have i mean but yeah, you know, matt brown had some inexplicable losses but but nothing like this uh charlie strong did lose i believe to kansas which got him fired i i just think you i don't think this is even i think yeah i would say the most surprising thing matt is it's not surprising uh, this is just where we are with Texas right now, and all my friends say, "Well, you think they know what they're getting into in the SEC? It, it's not going to be any worse." Uh, they, this is now. I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's more urgent for Texas to get out of the Big Twelve and for Oklahoma, and you know, we, we can get to the Aranda thing with oh, with, with Lincoln in a second. But they just need to change the narrative. They need to change the drapes on the wall, and, and I, I still believe. Sarkeesian is, is a is a good football coach who yep. who is just dealing with a terrible situation. And the one thing I will say, and and I've never said this about a team that's lost, yeah, it could be worse. Uh, they, they could be getting blown out uh, in some of these games, even even at home to Kansas. As ridiculous a statement as that would be in under normal circumstances, I think it will get better. And I I'm I'm just you just have to throw this season out.
0: You oh, thank you. I mean. Sark, his previous head coaching record isn't stellar, but his football acumen is. He came into a situation where he was inheriting Tom Herman's recruited players. Now, when you have a couple of guys that you recruit or you inherit, like Bijan Robinson, who I think is one of the best players in the country, you probably shouldn't be losing to a team like Kansas, but Bijan's not the only player on that team. I find the Texas job one of those. With Florida and Mullen, Call it what it is. You've got to recruit against Georgia, Florida State, Miami. There's a lot of schools down there that you're going up against. I find the inability to win at Texas one of the most inexcusable situations in the country. Yeah, you've got Texas A&M, but even Texas A&M recruits from a different footprint down south, Louisiana and that area uh, based on their location. I find Texas to be one of the top five jobs in the country, facilities, infrastructure, money, and talent. Now, they don't have it right now. They've got to figure it out. But there's going to be a time and a day where Sark recruits his guys, collect all the talent that they need to, and they're going to win. This notion that it happens overnight, people really thought, that the Tom Herman situation was going to be righted. The second Sark walked across the field. It just doesn't happen that way. Now you shouldn't be losing to Kansas, but I think that he'll get it right. I really do.
1: Yeah. And so that's where we are. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. These games take weird turns and, you know, he's lost a couple of games like this. He's lost a couple of games by more, but uh, I I still think he's, He's doing a pretty good job of, of of showing up every week and and not going Dan Mullen on the media and right. and and I, I I I I I feel good about it. Uh, crazy, yeah. I i I've, I've this is unusual for me, but I I do I know Stark well enough to believe that he can get it done.
0: Sometimes you have to go rock bottom to get your foundation laid. I say that all the time about year one of a coach. You're laying your foundation. Do you want to wake up this morning being a proud Texas fan losing to Kansas? No, but no one likes losing. Just just relax. It'll be fine. There's talent. I think he's the right guy because in my coaching triangle this morning, I'm going to go from Gainesville, Mullen, Sark. It'll be okay. To an interesting thought that I had last night watching Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. And I woke up today because I was thinking about this last night when we were doing college football final week you know the wee hours in the morning, like, oh, there goes Kiffin. He's going to be one of the hottest coaching prospects in this coaching carousel, which might still be the case. But Paul, this morning, you know what I believe? I believe that Lane Kiffin has the right job. I believe that Lane Kiffin, because of the offensive style that he runs, what he's done with Matt Corral, the defense has started to take shape. Why can't Lane Kiffin stay put in Oxford and win?
1: Well the flippant answer is because he's Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> um I I I I would agree with what you said. Uh it, it's a it's a good job. It, it you know the expectations are not unbelievable. They they love him there, it's a great college town. And I just don't believe that lane's dna is 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 made up where he can you know if a big if a big fish comes by i just i just feel like lane will grab it now which one is that going to be whatever it is he's in he's a, he, he's in a higher classification than he was a, a day ago no question cuz that was a big one i mean he he beat the team that we had all been uh, led to believe uh, knocking on the outside of the playoff if something weird happened, which I don't think will in the SEC West. But uh, Texas A&M looked like a juggernaut, and uh, unfortunately they started to look a little bit like the, the team that lost Arkansas and Mississippi State last night.
0: I mean, Lane got an infomercial on Saturday.
1: He was the celebrity
0: guest picker on college game day because Katy Perry backed out. The, the Grove was center stage. He got the national audience who against a weak primetime window. So he had that all to himself. And then he goes and beats Jimbo, who, like you said, had finally start to find it. They could have, had they won out and, and Alabama loses the Iron Bowl, then you're, then you're talking about a, a, a dicey situation in the SEC West, and it could have been Jimbo and Texas A&M, but it's not because Lane beat them. And when you put your coach in the national spotlight like he had yesterday, And you've got a quarterback like Matt Corral playing like he is. It just seems to me that maybe Lane and you know him far better than I, that I ever will. You don't think there's any chance that he wakes up and he's like, you know what? Like you said, great college town. I've got the support. I can win here. Why do I need to go chase LSU? Why do I need to go chase USC? Why do I need to get overtures from Florida? If that were to come open. Why do, why do I need to mess with Happy?
1: The, the, only, the, the only retort I would have to that, Matt, is Lane has coached great talent before at SC, at Alabama. He knows what it's like to have five-star receivers, even though he has the quarterback, that no, nobody really was sure this guy would be what he turned out to be. And, and I, I, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an analytics guy, and, and I, I just think he's looking at Ole Miss going, can I get enough here? to beat Alabama, can I get enough here to consistently compete with the highest uh, rung of the SEC? that, that That's my only response. Uh, we'll know pretty soon because uh, his name is going to start popping hot. Uh, hot.
0: I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a serious question that I know you probably won't have the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How long do you realistically think Nick Saban will still be hanging around Tuscaloosa? 100 years old is the right answer,
1: but what's the logical answer? I think the window is short. Uh, okay, and and every time I say that I get blowback, but uh, I think that will be easier to answer in a couple of weeks, Matt. For this reason, you know, should should he lose to Kirby Smart in the SEC championship game? There, the, here goes the most dangerous Saban assistant in my mind, uh, often perhaps winning a title. That that changes the dynamics a little bit, and you know you know Alabama wins a ball game uh, like they always seem to do when Saban has a, an offseason meaning two losses and you know you can write the ship with a number one rank recruiting class but but I still think there will be a few more doubts And it's, at some point, Saban knows this is not a vintage team. You hear him propping them up as opposed to tearing them down and and is a weird number I, I i there are there's only one coach who's ever won a title at 70. And that's Bobby Bowden. Most coaches do not succeed, and I think Nick Saban, uh, even though he acts like he's never thought about it, I promise you, Matt, he thinks about it, and he doesn't need the money. Does he really need the challenge? That's what most people think he's staying there for. So I, I don't. I can't give you a year, but okay. I, I don't. I don't buy into the contract, which is six or seven years away. I really don't believe that. Because don't you feel as though I want to? focus here on
0: the SEC West for a minute because don't you feel as though there could be I hate the pun changing of the tide when yeah. you look at that side because we believe Saban's on the back nine of his career the LSU job is coming open uh, we're going to get into Mississippi State Auburn in a minute at uh, Texas A&M and Jimbo they pay him all the money so they think that that thing is going right but I think Paul in the next 2 to 3 years with how the Saban era appears to be winding down there is an opportunity for a lot of these other programs that have been caught in his wake for the longest time could rise up and maybe take hold of that division and almost switch it, start to switch it, start to compete with Alabama. And then by the time Saban walks away, you can pounce and be on the top of that division.
1: And and back to lane for a second. I don't know a coach who probably thinks about Nick Saban more than Lane Kiffin. Uh, He has studied him. Uh, At times, he was, a, he, you know, he's been obsessive about Saban, and yeah, I think he—he—that's part of his calculus too. If he ends up looking elsewhere, where can I go that I'll be in a little better position? And as as, as for all the things we've already said about Ole Miss, I, it's difficult for Ole Miss to consistently be at that top level of the SEC West. It's—it's it's been done. Uh, They've—they've they've had runs. But but it's but it's a challenge. Uh, where at LSU or Florida or Texas A and M, I don't think it's quite the same challenge. Who gets more credit
0: this morning? Where are we writing this sentence? Great comeback win out of Mike Leach in Mississippi State, forty three thirty four, or inexcusable letdown out of Brian harson at Auburn? I'll,
1: I'll, I'll avoid giving you the little bit of both. I, I, I'm giving Leach credit because I think you have to for when you're down by that much. Uh, it's just, it, and Leach is a mercurial character. It, you know, you, you could almost just see him tuning out, you know, and getting a book to read the, the second half. Uh, I mean, uh, that that was incredible. That that really was. Uh, and yeah, we were sitting around Saturday morning, and the, the only reason any of us came up for a reason why Auburn was going to win that game was Jordan Hare Stadium. Now, yep. and, and 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 for it to happen there, it, had that had that happened on the road somewhere. Not, it's still inexcusable, but it, it's understandable. Uh, not, not, not down there, not in that house.
0: 25 points, largest comeback in Mississippi State program history. Will Rogers, 44 55, 415 yards, and six touchdowns. Here's what I love about Mike Leach. A week ago, we were on this podcast bashing him for the kicker comment. We're going to do kicker tryouts. He's a guy. We've seen him do this at every outpost in college football. He did it in Lubbock at Texas Tech. He did it in Pullman and Washington State, two places that are nearly impossible to win, but he's found a way to do it. Paul, I'm telling you, this is year two of, of Mike Leach. Is that right? The pandemic year all runs together. Is this year three? Year two. I'm telling you, we are going to be focusing on Jimbo and Saban and LSU and Lane Kiffin. Mike Leach, we are going to wake up one morning at some point, and he's going to have assembled his roster like he did at those other places, and Mississippi State is going to be a problem for teams because that's
1: all Mike Leach does. Think about this. I agree. Uh, he has four losses. The know he did win one game. Uh, I think it was Louisiana Tech or somebody at the, at the last second, but the Memphis game was – some people feel it's stolen true. from them. I mean, that, yeah. that was that, they should have won that game. They had a really good chance to beat LSU, and they missed a chip shot field goal as we talked about a week ago. I mean, this could really have been a special season for Mississippi right. State. And you know, if they lose to Ole Miss in, in the Egg Bowl, then it's going to be a five loss year, which doesn't look all that great. But and I'm not saying they will. That, that's a that's an impossible game to predict uh, a week and a half, two weeks out, but. But yeah, he's he's the quirkiest coach I've ever been around. Uh, but you cannot deny his his ability.
0: They have Tennessee State coming up, and then as you mentioned, the Egg Bowl, obviously on Thanksgiving Thursday. And he's just he's something else. I don't. He gutted that roster last year. Absolutely gutted it with guys that he didn't think were living up or playing to the style with which he wants his program to play. And here they are. I mean, you look at their schedule, and I'm looking at it right now, you're right. The Mississippi State-Arkansas game, 31-28. They beat Kentucky, who at the time was ranked 12th. They beat Texas A and M, who was a trendy team. They should have beaten LSU. So yeah, it's really been a remarkable story for for Mike Leach and what he's dealt with. But we've seen it happen time and time again. He just he'll he'll show up and just say, wait a second, how is Mississippi State ranked tenth and competing for the SEC West? But that's what he does. And you know, it's going to be fun to watch them. And, the and, Matt,
1: and Matt, nine days ago Auburn was a was a trendy team uh, heading into College Station. They got uh, they got whacked there. They they blow this game and they. <laughs> And they still have Alabama left,
0: and they have the same record as Mississippi State now. And, I, six and,
1: I, and I think, uh, yeah, and not only that, Auburn goes to South Carolina this week, which, yeah, you know, they're 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 a, they're a every other week team. So
0: yeah, they're an uh, enigma.
1: So, but, it, it, but they they could lose.
0: They could. South Carolina fought to the end against Missouri on Saturday. Um, but yeah, who knows what's going to be with, with Brian Harson and Auburn towards the end of the season and Bo Nix, everything that they've gone through, but, uh, so much to watch in the sec, so much to talk about in the big 12, Oklahoma goes down to Baylor 27, 14 Baylor, probably a look ahead loss a week ago to TCU. They come back and handle Oklahoma. The defense was great. Caleb Williams gets bad. Spencer Rattler couldn't do anything. Caleb Williams gets put back in the game. Crowd rushes the field. They put him off. Dave Aranda bangs a field goal at the last second because he said it's a tie-breaking scenario in the Big 12. Lincoln Riley's ticked off about it. There's a lot to unpack with how Baylor could have ruined OU's season on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are saying, doesn't this happen every November with with, with OU blowing a game? It seems like it does. Uh, But the thing about Lincoln Riley saying what he did, I understand his point, but if – for some reason, this convoluted system, we, we find out two weeks from now that Baylor misses the Big 12 game by one point, then, then how stupid does that look now? Uh, he, 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 he was smart to know the rules. Uh, he got the field goal. And he, he, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, the whole scene was crazy, but you know, Lincoln Riley, you know, talking about class and all that, I had a few friends of mine remind me uh, Oklahoma showing a lot of class a couple of months ago, blowing out of a league they helped find in the Big 12 to go to the SEC. I don't think anybody's crying for them this morning.
0: No, and you, I, I'll say this. I admire Lincoln's honesty to come out and say, hey, I wouldn't have done it sportsmanship. But do you know what? He would have done it, so I'd never buy that. I think what made it a little wonky was that the fans started to storm the field. They had to bring the Oklahoma players back out of the locker room. I'm convinced, and you can't convince me otherwise, that someone told Aranda during that whole melee of the the fans coming out that, hey, we need to kick the field goal for the tie. I'm convinced one of the analytics people came to him and said, hey, kick the field goal. And I said it on college football final. I don't have it in front of me, so forgive me if I'm not doing this right. But it's, it's third or fourth in line in the tiebreaker scenario by margin of victory of more than 10 points. I don't know when and how it comes into play. It's very far down the line, but it's a criteria that does exist, so you can't blame him uh, for doing what he did. But we started, we started thinking about imagine if it works out to where Baylor and Oklahoma play again in the Big 12 championship.
1: Well, wow. by the way, uh, off subject for one second, but thinking of Baylor, have you, can you ever remember a season – where more fields were rushed than this one? I mean, it, 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 do, you even, you, do you even have, I mean, I've seen teams with three wins rush the field.
0: I have a theory on that. We talked about this because there were no fans last year. Ah, So the, the, the stadiums were empty. College kids were stuck in their dorms. Now they can go out and drink and act like idiots and rush the field. So why wouldn't you?
1: yeah it's a good point but it just seems like i mean that used to be reserved for like the biggest upset biggest camp, now, yeah yeah now, now it doesn't matter you just rush the field
0: there was one earlier in the year that they got twitter all bent out of shape it was when iowa god when was that who did they upset people are screaming at the podcast right now i have to remember who it is but iowa upset someone and they stormed the field, and people were like, "Iowa really relax. It's only a game against so and so." I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was Penn State. Iowa. Yeah, it's when Iowa beat Penn oh. State, twenty-three to twenty. Which, looking back at that now, oh. seems kind of funny that there was a field rush.
1: And by the way, I know I, I'm, I'm free associating here because because there's always this theory about coaching that, like James Franklin, you should never if you're if you want to hire a coach, you should hire him on his resume, not week to week. But his week to week starting to really cost him money. Yeah, what do you got? Good, great segue because I do want to talk about Michigan. Your boy
0: Harbaugh continues to win games 21 17. It's funny you bring up James Franklin because a month ago, this guy was it. I mean, this was like, hey, USC, LSU, what's it going to take to James Franklin? I asked this in all seriousness. If you are one of those programs that have their job open, how much are you keeping Franklin on the radar based on how we've seen this season finish out for Penn state?
1: I think it depends on whether you've already made the decision to hire him. Um, he, he's, he's losing games that he probably should win some, some of these games, not all of them. Uh, I mean, the, the Illinois game, you can't explain away yesterday. I, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to come around on Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh, but I, I still think he's a good coach, but, but don't, for, for I will say this anyone who thought he might be loyal to penn state uh, think again because he better get out of there now if he can
0: do you it's just, it's i mean it's weird how you can go and that's how the coaching world works now remember back in the day when you could just you could build something and you can no. you could be forgiven for a loss or a bad season there's there's no mulligans anymore it's to the point now where james franklin was so coveted that penn state people might want him gone now
1: yeah, and and part of this is social media Matt, and and the reactions and networks like ours. But I mean, every every Saturday night or Sunday morning, I see some post on a blog. Uh, Dan Mullen excoriated uh, for this because what 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 websites do now? They aggregate fan posts as if they're media posts. And, the next, and, and, and then the rest of us who are just spinning through Twitter, catching up uh, while we're changing planes or you doing a commercial, you're going, wow, uh, uh, James Franklin getting killed on Twitter. And, and you find out it's, it, it's, it's a bunch of fans who lost money on the game.
0: I, will, I, I saw this last week. Um, I was reading a, a local paper website. I wasn't reading the actual local paper. I was on the digital version of it on a dot com. And there was an article about a coach who had who had been struggling, according to the fans. If you look at the record, it's actually a pretty good record. And within the article, Paul, it has screen grabs yeah. of about 15 tweets from Jimmy, John, and Joe about, like, oh, fire him. And so this – job that we went to school for to be now we're just pulling from social media that's the temperature of the thoughts of non-decision makers
1: no and what happens is i've had i've had administrators tell me because i I always maintain what i do every afternoon it it's for fun and entertainment it's we're not costing anybody jobs but i had an ad tell me once you you, you're underestimating it i said well how can you how can you tell me so he said i have i have members of the board of trustees, occasionally the chancellor or the president may flip on your show. And the next thing you know, you hear some guy rallying that his coach is a disaster. And and that's maybe the only thing they hear all week. And they, or they may see something that their assistant puts on their desk. So all this stuff aggregated has an effect. Is it healthy for
0: God, this is going to sound awful, but I'm going to ask it as nicely as I can. Should the fan, Opinion
1: matter. Well, I am going to argue that it should, considering that's how I make my living. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, I've always been for the fan. I, I, I and, and the fan opinion, by the way, just because that, that fan, you know, with three Twitter followers, uh, <laughs> he's, he's just expressing his opinion. He's not telling a, a so-called legitimate sports website to pick his his tweet up screenshot it and and then end up getting in a story which somehow then ends up getting in what we used to refer to as mainstream media
0: i mean that and i mean that respectfully paul like i don't think the fans shouldn't have a voice because they do (laughs) they pay the money to get in and they're they're alums i get that but if you listened to the fans the way that we are kind of hinting at here paul we would, coaches would be fired every other week after every other loss. You know how ho- there are three teams that are undefeated this morning. One of them is UTSA. What are we asking for here? Cincinnati, UTSA, and Georgia. Those are the unbeaten teams. You ask any other team around the country that has an inexcusable loss, fire the coach.
1: There's well, no happy meeting. Well, Matt, ultimately, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer because I've had it explained to me and you know it it's not the it, it's not our fault as commentators it's not the fans fault for expressing their opinion when the average fan looks at a Jimbo Fisher I'll use him as a, as, a, as an example or Dan Mullen and looks at, and they go they're getting 8 or 9 or 10 million dollars a year and I'm worried about inflation they don't care uh, and and they and they see Will Muschamp take $20 million for doing a miserable job uh, at South Carolina on top of another like 10 or 12 that he got from Florida? And they say, hey, screw it. Fire the that's, guy.
0: That's not – that, look, let's, let's, let's just get down to really what's going on here. Jimmy Sexton runs college football. He does. That's it. They, 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 that, that's not the co- – the ADs need to be held responsible.
1: I don't know why they are beholden to him, though.
0: I don't get it. Anytime a coach sniffs a winning streak, extension, give him a five-year extension, raise the buyout. We did an awesome piece. I don't know who wrote it. I want to say it was Rittenberg. Forgive me, the colleague. It was a great piece on ESPN.com. They ran a story about it on Outside the Lines about the dead money that's paid to head coaches around the country that aren't doing anything.
1: No. Uh, and 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 I I mentioned Will because you know I I don't know anybody that's made more money than him. Uh, and he's Charlie a, he's Weiss a, would like a word. Yeah, well, okay, I'll <laughs> I'll grant you that. But the ads are. I mean, first of all, remember this: when an ad signs a contract, it's not his money. It's like it's like working for the government. Okay, you, you need more money, I'll give you more money. You need a buyout, I'll give you a buyout um it, it's and that that's part of the, the the social media mob to a degree matt because those guys are in the moment and sometimes uh, a couple of years ago a guy i really thought was a terrible athletic director joe oliva at lsu he yeah. wanted to he wanted to fire les miles uh and, and hire jimbo fisher but his president Oops. but his president wouldn't sign off on it because his, tw- his, his president's at the country club on uh, on, 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 Sa- on Sunday afternoon hearing from his buddies and, and hearing everything else what, what, where they're getting stuff from. So nobody, the, the power structure is, is out of control. And then Sexton comes in with four clients for the job and he plays everyone against a, another. He leaks the story to somebody and, and the media is at fault. There are certain people in the media and some of them work at this company who, uh, who have connections and, you know, you, you put, uh, you know, you put my guy up, you know, up for a job, I'll give you something else. It's a quid pro quo. It, it, it's a, it, I mean, I, I see certain names mentioned for jobs, and I know you do as well, and I'm not going to call anybody out. And you go, what are they talking about? But yeah. there's a reason for it.
0: I didn't intentionally mean to go down the coaching rabbit hole, but it is such a fun conversation because it is very much at the center of everything that college football is right now, with how the how the season is playing out. You had mentioned Kirby Smart, the most powerful Nick Saban assistant of them all. They continue to be dominant. Uh, it's going to be a fun last couple of weeks of the regular season. So I'll leave you as we always do here on the Sunday edition of the ESPN College Football Podcast. Right.
1: The headline.
0: Interesting week coming up ahead. I'm going to read you some of these games. Oregon and Utah, big one in the Pac-12. Michigan State, Ohio State, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Plenty to get to as we get down. Arkansas, Alabama, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and that does Scott Frost have one in him? Wisconsin's won six in a row. Michigan heads to Maryland. Final couple of weeks of the regular season. Paul, write me your
1: headline. I think I know where you're going, so I'm going to go somewhere else because uh, there's another one out there that is screaming for a headline, and I'll, I'll let you have it because of the part of the country that you, you're from. So I'll, I'll go conservative with Ohio State uh, escapes party uh, to set up a uh, game of the year in college football at Ann Arbor. So if you, don't, if you don't go with this one, I'm going to scream. Ooh, there's one I'm betting you're going on.
0: I'm looking at it right now, and now you have me overthinking the room. Did I mention it when I said the games? I believe you did. Oregon, Utah. You got it. And here's what I'll say about Oregon, Utah. The Pac-12 is in danger of dog-eat-dog because there is a very realistic chance Utah overlooked Arizona on Saturday. They got the win. wasn't pretty. There's a very realistic chance, Paul, that Utah... Beats Oregon, who's got a loss in conference to an awful Stanford team, giving them two, and then Oregon coming back in the Pac-12 championship and beating Utah in the entire Pac-12 conference, they're watching the playoff again at home. That's and, where this
1: conference is Exactly. Now. And, and the commissioner, uh, Mr. Kliakoff, can call his two buddies and talk about how great the alliance is and how we don't need a 12-team <laughs> playoff.
0: It is so good. What a weekend it was. Paul, this, this was fun because – I can't believe we're already 11 weeks in, 12 weeks into the season. We have next weekend, we have Thanksgiving weekend, then we have championship weekend, and everything that we've been yelling about for the entirety of this season is going to all be decided in the matter of
1: weeks. No, it's, it, and by the way, I'm, I'm glad we did talk about some of the coaching things, Matt, because that we, we're about to start hearing about that uh, nonstop.
0: Where's SEC Nation going? I love the announcement on Sunday mornings. And even if you're not supposed to tell us, tell us.
1: Uh, we're going to Tuscaloosa because the choices are uh, endlessly uh, bad. <laughs> and
0: Alabama and Arkansas, huh? Little Woo pig and crimson tide. All right, that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. College game day headed to Ohio State, Michigan State. That game noon Eastern, uh, ABC. So we are in a round robin of sorts in college football, and I cannot wait to bring this thing home with you as we've done each and every week. Paul, good stuff. Looking forward to doing this again next Sunday. Thanks, Matt. Uh, enjoyed it. And quick reminder, Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as they look inside their lives, career, journey, and can't miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcast, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel.